Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. I don't know about y'all, but I enjoyed worshiping uh, with you guys as my church family. I love enjoying worshiping with you. Good job, guys. Y'all, didn't the the musicians and Amber uh, do a great job? And uh, wonderful, guys. Um, And y'all pray for me. I've been uh, having a little bit of throat stuff going on, so I just don't want to lose my voice during the middle of all of this. And uh, I love you, man. I mean, I enjoy coming and being with my church family on the weekends. I love seeing you. Uh, Usually I'll see one group this week and I'll see another group next week. Uh, So it's good seeing y'all this week. Uh, I I don't know if I'll see y'all next week. Does that make sense? It's like, you know, each week it's almost like you got a little bit of a different group going on. But I'm glad you're here and whoever's watching today, uh, it's always so cool to be able to go back and uh, look at who's been online. And so uh, give us some feedback if you're watching today. Let us know who's there. And uh, if you see something that ministers to you in the message this morning, uh, let us know about that. I want you guys uh, to pray with me uh, as a regular kind of prayer thing that as God develops, uh, we've been working on our streaming to try to make that better um, without spending, you know, tens and tens of thousands of dollars uh, in that. And so we're trying to do it, be innovative on uh, a decent budget, but it would be awesome one day to have somebody who is uh, live on there as a volunteer position that is interacting with the people online. Uh, You know, so anyway, we don't have that right now. Pray for it. And uh, one of these days we'd love uh, to uh, have someone. And if there's somebody watching online that if you you want to ever do something like that, let us know because you can be part of our virtual volunteer team. All right, let's say our declaration like we mean it. Guys, we are just a few weeks away from not having that declaration on Sunday morning, but it will always be part of our DNA. Amen? So let's say it like we mean it. I will constantly guard my heart and align it with God's holy word for everything I do flows from it. So let's align our uh, heart this morning. Go ahead and turn in Galatians chapter five. We won't read all of it, but we'll read bits and pieces of it this morning. And as you're turning to Galatians chapter five, we are in this series. Uh, We'll be ending it next week, I believe. And we're in this series called Free. And a great like culmination to this series is Brent is starting a life group, a small group starting this Wednesday night um, that is called Free. And if you want to know uh, about it, just go online. You can sign up for it. I looked at it. It looks like they've already got a really nice group of people that are hungry to be free. And uh, I won't be there. I'll be out of town this week. Uh, but you be there if you can, because it's going to be powerful. And uh, Pastor Robert Morris from Gateway Church. I don't know if you know him or followed anything, but they are just an incredible spirit-filled ministry. So I want to be free in my life. There are different areas of my life that I struggle with freedom. I know that I am free. I know that freedom has been purchased for me, but there are still areas of my life that I struggle with being 100% free. I know that I'm 100% free positionally in Christ. I'm completely free. But as I walk out my faith every day, I find those things kind of creep back in or they present themselves at different times. And, you know, there are things that, Um, that I may still struggle with and other things that I don't struggle with that I used to struggle with and I completely have 100% freedom in that area. And to me, that's strange because it's like, what what spiritually is going on that I can literally say, yeah, I used to struggle with that. That used to be something that was a negative part of my life. Doesn't even ever, I never even think about it. It never presents itself. Yet there are 
still these things that will pop up that I don't seem to have 100% freedom from it. Even though positionally, I know I'm forgiven, I know I have freedom, and I know I have victory over that, it always seems to kind of be there. Wouldn't it be awesome if it's like we could get to that place, I want to get to that place, where those other things, like, yeah, never even think about that. It's totally not an issue for me anymore. And so in the book of Galatians, you know that as I've been talking to you, this group of churches throughout Galatia, Paul is talking to them and some false teaching has come into the church. And the teaching is, uh, it's not just Christ. I mean, it's great to have faith in Christ, but you also got to do all these other things. And so they begin adding the law rules back into it. And again, there's nothing wrong with law. You know, I've shared with you that the law is diagnostic. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just, it, it just is. And, um, it's, it doesn't take sides. It just says, Hey, this is the law. You shall not kill. You shall not covet. You shall not lie. You know, it's just, it's just a moral absolute. And, you know, for us, we, we are okay with that until we struggle with one of those. Like we're, you ever looked at the 10 commandments and you go, I don't have a problem with this one. Just, just, can we just scratch these off? And then you get down to that one or two and you're like, oh gosh, if this just wasn't part of the list, we need freedom. And so he's dealing with this whole rules thing that says, hey, rules are necessary for your salvation. All right. But so what, what he did is he spent, he spent some time dealing with those. I dealt with justification. And today we're going to talk about a, a something a little, a, that I'll get to in just a moment. But I want to ask you this before we dive into the message, because this is going to kind of, you know, take us to a place of like, what's your mindset? So do you ever think about eternity? You ever think about heaven or hell or where you're going to spend eternity? I used to think about it a lot. And here's another thing. What's your motive? Like, what's your motive for eternity? When I first came to Christ, my motive was, I just don't want to go to hell. And like, there was a heaven presented to me and there was a hell and heaven was really scary. Heaven, awesome. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? But hell was really scary. And for me, I lived a lot of my life as an early believer out of fear of going to hell. And I felt like in the early days of my life that I had to focus a lot on the rules, the law, the Ten Commandments, the, you know, the things that I don't need to do and all the things that I was doing wrong. And I don't know why or if everybody starts their faith in that kind of perspective, but that's how I started mine. And so the law made me very sin conscious I was constantly wondering what was going on in my world that was going to kick me out of hell. Because in some wrong, terrible kind of teaching that I got, it was like, if you tell one lie, you're going to hell. Well, I told a bunch of them, you know, so I'm splitting hell wide open going at this, breaking the sound barrier headed there. You know, uh, if you, if you even look or think an impure thought towards a girl, like you're going to hell. Like all of these things were, and I was always thinking about, oh my gosh, I just need to get throughout a day without breaking one, you know, moral law. The reality is that that should be our goal, but the law makes us so sin conscious and it gets us off of the idea that we're God's children and yes, we get things wrong from time to time, but he corrects us in this loving, gentle way. And so if, you're, if you think about eternity, like I always thought of not necessarily going to heaven, I just did not want to go to hell. And I would literally, as a teenager, you've heard me tell this story before, I would lay in my bed at night and cry 
myself to sleep because I was so afraid that I was going to hell. No child should ever lay in bed at night thinking that they are going to go to hell because they did one little thing or had one thought or whatever. God's grace is so big and we should, we should be grace conscious more than we are sin conscious. And what was happening in the Galatian churches is they were making them more sin conscious. All the things that they weren't doing right. And Paul keeps telling them, listen, if you were trying to keep the law 100% to perfection, you are never going to measure up. That's not why the law was made. The law was to show you what perfection looks like. You can't make it, but perfection comes in the form of a little baby born in a manger, died on a cross, brought salvation to us, and clears us 100%, brings us back into relationship. That's the gospel in a nutshell. And so if you're thinking about heaven from a, from a I just don't want to go to hell kind of standpoint, that's fear-based. But if you're thinking about it from, I want to go to heaven, like, um, I really want to go to heaven. Now, can I just be honest with you? I didn't always want to go to heaven yet. I'd like to go, but if the bus is pulling up today, I want to know, is there another bus? You know, because as a teenager, I was like, what? I, I mean, it was preached in our churches like Jesus is coming back this afternoon at three o'clock. You better be ready. Have your bags packed. I'm telling you, it, it was like Jesus is coming imminent and that's the truth. But here's the scripture also says, no man knows the time. Jesus said, nobody knows the time nor the hour. Don't even think about that. Go about your business being the kingdom. And if you're ready to go, you'll go. So don't focus on all of that. Why? Because it's like, uh, I'm going to miss the train. I'm going to miss the bus. I'm going to miss the boat. No, we don't live our life. I used to live my life like that, but all of that's fear-based. But now I live it relational-based. I want to go to heaven. When I was younger, I didn't want to go to heaven right away. You know, they're preaching like, it's coming today. Well, I'm like, I want to have babies I want to get married. I want to, I want to go to school. I want to have a career. I, I, I had all these dreams and hopes and things, and I'm, I didn't want to miss out on that. That's how I thought as a young person. Now that I got a few miles on my old body, you know what? I think, oh, how heaven is going to be so awesome. And like if there was a train leaving today, I, I'd probably get on that train. I mean, I truly am at the place in my life where I'm okay. Uh, my kids, when COVID came out, they're like, Dad, you're not taking COVID seriously. You know, they were like all afraid. And like, I never, I, I just have never lived in fear of COVID. I've had COVID. I've been vaccinated. I know after y'all heard that, y'all, some of y'all turning me off right now. You find it in another church. You won't be here next week. But I've been vaccinated. I have my reasons for being vaccinated. And they worked for me already. I got out of the country. I've been able to go and enjoy time with missionaries. But the point being is I've never been afraid of COVID. Never. Not once. I don't operate in that. And my kids were like, Dad, you're not taking COVID seriously. And I'm like, listen, um, I, I am taking it seriously. But I'm also not going to walk in fear. And if I get COVID, I'm just, two things are going to happen. I'm going to live or I'm going to die. One of those two things. And, uh, and I lived. Um, but I told my kids, I'm like, if I die, I'm good. I, I've, I've, I believe I've served in ministry admirably with integrity. I believe I can go and stand before the Lord and say, God, here's my crowns. I lay them down at your feet. This is what I did for you. And I did it with the best degree of integrity that I know how to have. I, I feel like I can stand before the Lord without shame or any of that. And like, you know, there's just times I'm like, you know, there's a lot going on in the world. And it's like, sometimes I'm like, hey, I would be in heaven and I wouldn't have to deal with all this, you know? So 
my, my relationship with God is what drives me now with my thoughts of eternity is I want, I don't want to just not go to hell, but I want to go to heaven. I want to spend time with Jesus. I want, you know, we're going to have assignments in heaven. There's going to be work for us to do. We're going to have assignments. I, I just, that sounds so exciting to me. I wonder where mine's going to be. Where's yours going to be? It's like, we've got the whole universe to fill. Isn't that amazing? So, Anyway, let's talk a little bit about this. Justification is what he's been trying to get straight with the Galatians. He's been saying to them, listen, you're saved, made righteous positionally, like in Christ, in your position in Christ, you're made right just through Christ's sacrifice. Jesus and nothing equals your salvation. But what he's doing in Galatians chapter five, he's going to the other side of this. Because he's saying, now I got to also address the doctrine of sanctification. And I know a lot of times uh, we don't like to hear words like maybe doctrine. It just sounds boring to teenagers and, you know. But you'll hear words in school like they're, they're trying to indoctrinate you. What they're trying to, what they're saying is that there are certain belief systems that they're trying to train you in. And that's what Paul is doing here. He's trying to train them, indoctrinate them into right doctrine. And so he says, I've talked to you about justification. It doesn't come through the law. It comes through Christ only, nothing else. That's your position in Christ. When you come to Christ, not only does he make you right with God, but he also makes you holy. He cleanses you of all your sin. He makes you holy. You now are holy as God himself is holy. Remember last week I said, as I am in Christ, I am as holy. This is such a foreign concept to wrap. I am as holy as God is holy. Doesn't that seem like inconceivable? God is. Me, same level of holiness. Is it because of anything I did? No, it's only because of my position and favor that I have because Christ gave it to me. It is a gift that I do not deserve. You do not deserve. But because of the Father's great love for us, he gave his son that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And sin cannot come into his presence. That's how I know that I'm holy. Everybody getting it? It's good stuff, right? So he talks about sanctification and he says, sanctification, this is what sanctification is. It's the progressive partnership between God and me that empowers me to live a holy life. So it's a partnership. All right. So I'm saved in Christ. I be positionally, I am in relationship with God. And so now we're going to walk together. And it's like me and Holy Spirit. Jesus gave us, the Father through Christ, gave us another helper. Jesus is in heaven. He is a real person. I can't understand all that fully with my mind. But he is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. But he also has a body. Jesus has a glorified body. If he, he could walk into this room right now, you can touch him. We know that from scripture, but he's doing a work there. He's gone to prepare a place for you and I, whatever that looks like. Jesus is making preparations for your and my eternity. While he's there, Holy Spirit comes, the paraclete, the helper, the counselor, the one that walks with us. Now we're going to walk out life. Now, how many of you guys would... Um, you know, I don't know about y'all, but we clean our toilet bowl at least a couple of times a week at our house. You know, at least once. But would you ever think of like moving into a house and, you know, the house is there and, you know, you don't clean. It, the toilets are spotless, but you're like, well, they're spotless. We're done. We don't have anything else to do. And then you begin to use that toilet and, you, you know, and it's like, but you never clean that toilet again. 
Well, nobody would ever think of that. Now, I've been to some people's house that they did live that way and some gas stations and restaurants. (laughs) But no, you would never think of that. Why? Because it keeps getting unclean, dirty. So it's an ongoing cleaning process. You can take that and, you know, use it for your body. You could use it for your home and any number of other illustrations. So what happens is positionally I'm made clean. Positionally I'm holy. Positionally I'm saved. But this is too, uh, this is too intricate and detailed for us to get too far into. But like we have different tenses to our verbs, so does the Greek language. And there are certain verbs that they use for salvation that mean a progressive, ongoing salvation. The scripture says, let every man work out his salvation. Well, if we should work it out, what, like, wasn't it worked out at the cross? Yes, it was worked out at the cross positionally. But when you get saved, you still have certain mindsets. Well, you got to walk that stuff out. So as you progress in your relationship with God, you are progressively being made holy. You are, yes, you're holy positionally, but you, every day you get up and you try your best to live a holy life. It's a progression. You're working out your holiness. You're working out your salvation. Now listen, if you don't hold that position and you hold the position of a legalist, a, the law, when you come to Christ, you're made holy. And if you get outside of that, the first mistake you make, I mean, it's going to be, a can is going to be opened. Both barrels are going to be unloaded on you because you sinned. And you're not in God's grace anymore. That's a harsh, false way to look at relationship with God. God is one who walks with us. And listen, you don't have to have all your stuff perfect. When you come into relationship with Christ, he will work with you. He will show you different things. There are things that Holy Spirit has shown me decades after my salvation experience. I don't know if it took me that long to come to a place of understanding or willingness But the Lord showed me things later in my relationship with him. God is very patient and long-suffering with us because that's what relationship looks like. And so uh, let's look at this. This is the key. And I put that little key up there. I think I'm going to start putting that on every message that I preach because like this, this is the take home. This is the thing I want you to remember, that justification is how Jesus starts a relationship with me. He said, Rife, you are now forgiven. It's just as if I never sinned before. Justification. It's just as if I never was out of relationship with him. I am justified. Justification is how Jesus starts a relationship with me. But sanctification is how I stay in relationship with him. How I live is how I stay in relationship with the father. Now, you can take this to a natural level. People who uh, are not in relationship with you, they're people that don't call you, they don't talk to you, they don't follow like the lifestyle that you kind of live. And, you know, they, they're like, you, you, you know uh, Lynn? Oh yeah, I know Lynn, man, we're, we're, we're buddies. You know, I'm talking to Lynn and, you know, this is hypothetical, but I'm talking to Lynn, I'm like, hey, Lynn, I heard, uh, you, you know Bob, you and Bob's close. Man, I met Bob one time. I ain't seen that joker in 10 years. Or, yeah, I met him, but that, you know, whatever, whatever. Well, no, that's an acquaintance. And a lot of people are living spiritual lives where they're acquaintances. They're not in relationship with God. They're not in relationship with Jesus. They're not in relationship 
with Holy Spirit. They're acquaintances. Like they know, know about God, but do you know God? Do you know him in an intimate sense of the word? And so let's say this together. Justification is how Jesus starts a relationship with me. But sanctification is how I stay in relationship with him. And so I want us to go to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read a little bit here. And um, I want to, I'm going to read a few verses at the beginning of it. And then I'm going to jump down to about the middle of it. So go to uh, the very front there. Chapter 5 verse 1. says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again into slavery to the law. I don't know how it says it in the version that, uh, translation that you're reading, but here it says, now make sure, be sure. In other words, you're, you're making an effort to stay free from the law. You're making an effort to understand God's grace. When you're in relationship with the Father, it takes effort on your part to see where you are at any given point in your relationship with him, all right? And so he says, like, let's not get tied up again into slavery of the law. And you know, it says down in verse nine, just jump down there real quick. Cause this is, this is something that's beautiful. He says this false teaching, what false teaching is he talking about? Legalism. He's talking about like adding anything else to the grace of God. He said, this false teaching is like a little bit of yeast that spreads through the whole batch and it just ruins the dough. Like he's just saying, Hey, church, be careful because what you tolerate, what you, listen to me, what you tolerate could eventually end up shipwrecking you. What you tolerate, now you can take that and you can go like, okay, what, maybe a mindset that you tolerate, it could be a sin that you tolerate. It could be a person that you tolerate in your inner circle without ever correcting them, without ever trying to bring them into alignment. What you tolerate could very well end up shipwrecking you. Paul says it can ruin everything for you just a little bit. So he's warning them to be careful in, in the things that you accept into your, your spirit and into your teaching. He says, look at, look at this verse. He says, for you have been called to live in freedom. My brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. All right, so I'm just gonna stop right there. He's saying, listen, he says this, I've got it on the screen. He says, you've been called to live a life of freedom. Okay, so you've been set apart from the law, set free from the law, but like, you know, in other words, a tether to the law. Like I'm anchored, I'm shackled to the law. But Jesus came along and he, he took that key and he unlocked the shackle. And now, you know, you ever seen somebody, they're like, woohoo, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. You know, I'm, and I'm, I'm just gonna go over here and I'm just gonna live like the Dickens and do what I want to. So what has happened is he's like, I, I was having to deal with, with justification over here and like, hey, no, that being tied to that does not save you. But as soon as you get free, you can't go hog wild. You can't go hog wild. Well, praise your eye. Every kid has to sow their wild oats. No, they don't. That's the lie of the enemy. Now I did, but I wasn't raised in the church and I didn't have right teaching. 
But I can tell you what, there are people that with the right foundation, you don't have to sow your wild oats. That's a lie of the enemy. Like you don't have to sleep around. You don't have to go shoplift because all your friends are shoplifting and lifting stuff is cool. You don't have to do all that stuff. You, you don't have to do, and he's saying, like, you can't go over here and start living like you want to. Why? Because you have been made holy. You've been made holy. You are sanctified. Sanctified means I'm set apart. I'm special. Now, Shay and I, we paper plate folks. We got any paper plate folks in the house? My mama, she ain't a paper plate folk. You know, she's going to eat a sandwich slap some mayonnaise and a piece of meat on it and she's gonna go get you a hard plate you know that's how my mama is and you know it used to be that she had this china cabinet I don't even I don't think she has that anymore I don't know what she did with it but she used to have this china cabinet and I'm like why don't we ever eat on those plates those my good plates boy (laughs) mama when we gonna eat off those plates we don't eat off those plates and what are they for hey for Christmas Thanksgiving and the president, if he ever stops by, you know, I'm like, they, they were set apart. They were only used for certain things. And that's what sanctification means. Sanctification means that we, we have been set apart. We are marked. And when you look at yourself like that, and when you begin to know who you are in Christ, like I just, you know, I'm just going to start making some personal and I'll pick on a few people that I don't think that you would mind if I picked on you, but Braden, I'll use you for an example. Like you've been set apart. You've been chosen. You are marked with the blood of Christ. Your name's written down in glory. You're not like other 19 year old men now. Like your body, you don't have to do the things with your body that those young men do because you're sanctified. You're set apart. You live differently and now you live by a different code, so to speak. And you walk out every day. And it, it's not a thing where you're heavy with all of the law of, oh my God, I got to keep all these things. No, it's relationship because this is what Jesus said. He said, if you love me, if it's a relationship, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Because my commands are not going to be anything that is uh, burdensome, all right? Because his relationship with us is not one that, you know, hey, I'm in love with you now, but you can only wear a red shirt every Monday, and you in a blue shirt, and it's Sunday, so you got one day to get it together. His laws are, are, are not going to be burdensome. His laws are, I mean... We already read it. It said the law for a believer is, uh, what do you call reduced. Like the whole denominator, common denominator, it's reduced down to one. It, it used to be 618 for the Jews. It was 10 in the moral mosaic law. Uh, and, but, but Jesus came and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to fulfill all of that because you can never do it. I'm going to fulfill all of that. And we're going to reduce this baby down to one thing. Just love people. Did you notice in that when he said love? He, when Jesus was talking and when he was asking others, he's like, um, what's the greatest commandment? You notice that they said two, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the second one is equal to the first one. So there's really one. Here, Paul's already got that teaching, and he's further down the line in his faith. So he's like, he doesn't even mention the first one. He's like, he just boils it down to that one. He says, it's just love. The law is love. Love your neighbor. And so anyway, as, as we go a little bit further in this, he starts beginning to talk. Let's go to verse 19. He says, so what, what he does, look, look up front real quick. What he does is he, he's about to dive into this teaching of there's two realms and there's desires of the flesh. You can call them works of the flesh, deeds of the flesh. Uh, They're all the same. Desires, works, deeds. 
desires of the flesh. That's what this body wants to do and what this mind wants to do. It's the cravings that I have, all right? And then there's desires of the spirit. And so what he's saying here is that there's two of those and he's fixing to break them down. And and what he's saying here is that between these two, there's each one is always going to have some results or fruit. So desires of the flesh have a fruit and desires of the spirit has fruit, but they also have consequences or a reward. So there's results and reward that come with this. And he also says here, uh, here are the um, results from that come from desires of the flesh. And he starts t- telling us about this in uh, verse 19. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Now listen, he's fixing a list, list sins. All right. As he's listing sins, I want you to listen to some of the sins that he, he, and he doesn't even name all of them. Listen to some of them. He says, these are the kinds of results. They're very clear. Sexual immorality. That's a broad concept. He doesn't even go into all of what that looks like. Impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, Drew. I'm just joking. Wild parties. Just seeing if you're awake out there. And other sins like these. Like he doesn't even finish the list because you can't finish it. But what he's saying, he's, he's saying like the desires of the flesh produce these kind of results. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I've seen Christians that do these things and they don't have a problem with them. I've seen Christians who are jealous. I've seen Christians who are quarreling. I've seen Christians who have outbursts of anger. Now when he, go back up to verse 14. For the law, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Everybody. Oh, Jesus. It's fixing to get ugly. Your neighbor is your husband. Your neighbor's your wife. I know husbands and wives that do not love their neighbor. It's your kids. It's your brother who stabbed you in the back, your, your biological brother. It's your, you know, fill in the blank. Your neighbor is everybody. We, we can't pick and choose how we, how we treat people. Jesus said this, love your enemies. Like you gotta even love the people who are your enemy, not people that just don't like you. They are sworn adversaries of yours. That's what desires of the flesh produce that kind of animosity. And Paul says Christians shouldn't live that way. Christians should not live that lifestyle. He goes on to say, let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, it got real serious real quick. Like, First, you're just talking to me about desires of the flesh and the stuff. But he says, I'm telling you that people who live that way will not inherit the kingdom of God. What is the reward? What's the consequence? When you live that way, you ain't going to heaven, Jack. But Pastor Rive, come on. I, can I just be, this, this is a wake up call if you are in this building today. If you are living in some of those things, you are not on your way to heaven, my friend. 
Pastor Rife, now I'm a Christian. I know, I love Christ. Oh, I'm glad you said that because we're fixing to look at some scripture. Listen to me. In Matthew 25 and 40, Jesus said, now there will come a day where we're all standing before the Lord and they'll, they'll come up and they'll say, Lord, you know, look at what we did. And he said, now you're going to have to go this way. But I'm, no, I need to be going that way, Lord. No, you, you got to go this way. But Lord, that's the people that not going to heaven. Yeah. But Lord, uh-uh. No, no, we did miracles in your name. Uh, you know, I gave all this. I served every Sunday at church. I, you know, led a small group. I, you know, gave, yada, yada, yada. And he's like, I still don't know who you are. Depart from me because I don't know you. I don't know who you are. We are not in relationship together. There are people that will be in heaven that think that they are going to heaven and they are going to be shocked because they weren't in relationship with the Father, but they were in religion with the Father. They were doing all the things that looked like they were doing it and doing it for the right reason, but they weren't. And so he says, I'm telling you, people who live this way will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, pause real quick, because I'm sure there's people out there that are, that are probably going, oh my God, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. You know, listen, what he's saying, remember, it's relationship and we're walking together. We're walking together. And we are talking about people here that are living a lifestyle of sin. The scripture says that when a righteous man falls, he gets up. Does anybody know how many times? Seven is what it says. He gets up. In other words, he gets up seven times. The number seven represents perfection. It's God's number. So in other words, a person who falls gets up seven times. They get up because they want to remain in relationship with him. Now there's just some folks that they've just lied down, uh, laying down and wallow in it. And it's, that, that's not a mistake. That is habitual. Are you following me? Like, we're not talking about you mess up. Now, you know if you mess up, but it's this place of, like, where does it happen when you cross over into habitual sin? And now it no longer bothers you that Holy Spirit taps you and says, hey, that's not, that's not my best for you. I don't want you living to that. And there comes a place where people, they will brush that off so many times to where Holy Spirit says, my spirit will not always strive with you. Like, I mean, if you think, if you think, that Holy Spirit, he is your helper. He is there to help, not do. He's not your doer. He's your helper. He's there to help you in this thing called life. Most of us want him to do it. God, take this from me. And I don't want to spoil it, but I'll get to that at the very end. But he calls us to be doers of the word. Let's walk this out together. And if we think that Holy Spirit is going to be in a relationship where he's like, you know, you ever seen the, uh, the, the person, they're walking their dog and the dog is like, you know, and they're just dragging the dog. That is not relationship with God. And God, if that's what you want, God will let you go and have your way. He will not force you and me to be in relationship with him. So let's get to this. So he says this. He says that this, don't, he said, these are scriptures I wanted to share with you. He says, don't copy the pattern and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will is for you. And that is good and it's pleasing and it's perfect. In other words, he's saying, listen, the world acts one way. Don't act that way. Don't desire to live the way of sinful people. Look at this one, John 
First uh, John two fifteen says, "Now do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, this is this is oh gosh, this is so harsh. When you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Like when you see believers and they love the world so much, meaning they they I mean, it's almost like they don't have any filter." And they're just like, they're just doing whatever they want to out there. I'm like, you don't have, the scripture says, you don't have the love of the Father in you. And that's why, you know, I, I know we're in this day and age where it's like, man, we can't judge people. That is not true. That is such a false teaching in the church. I do judge you. You know that, right? And you're welcome to judge me too. The scripture says that we will know them by the fruit, the evidence that they bear. We will know. So when I see certain people get up and they're like, yo, 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 I just thank the Lord for this ward. You know, I just thank the Lord for all he's given me. I thank the big man upstairs. And it's like, but you want it for your hoochie coochie video that the girls are all naked and you're, you know, you, you uh, are promoting like all kind of lewdness and lasciviousness and, and ungodly behavior. Listen, the love of God ain't in you. No, I don't know what God you given the glory to and all, all of that for, but no. So that's what we're talking about, that kind of, uh, of mentality. Look at a couple of other scriptures. 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty three says, don't be deceived, bad company ruins good morals. You are, who you hang around with, and we ain't just talking about young people. We're talk- I'm telling you, I know older people that I'm like, you need to take a look at your posse. You need to take a look at your entourage. Who have you got surrounding you? Because uh, they're being more darkness than you are light to them. And you look more like them than, than, than they look like you. And sooner or later, it can ruin your character. And then this is probably my favorite of all, First Peter uh, 1. 14 through 16 says this, as obedient children, in other words, those well-behaved. I think the Lord, when he was writing this, he was, he was talking about the K kids. I'm just like, that's when I think of that, I just think about their kids. And I mean, there's others in the church that, that I think of too, but you know, we've just been out to eat with them and their kids are just amazing. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Like he's saying, there was an old rife and there's a new rife. Rife, don't go back to old rife. Like, don't go back to that ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you too almost be, must also be holy in your conduct. For as it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. He says, because you are mine, you know, you're going to produce fruit that looks like me. So much so that, like, when, when you're in front of people, they won't be able to tell a difference between you and me. If, if my son were to call and some of you talk to him on the phone and he would say, um, hey, this is Pastor Rife, I promise you, you would not know the difference. There are times when I hear him and I'm like, that's just freaky. <laughs> the Lord wants us to, when people see us, to not be able to tell a difference between us because we are radiating his reflection so much. They see us and glorify him. He gets the credit for it. And so he says, look at this. The results are the fruit of the spirit. And so we see those in verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Now, there's something really important here in how these fruit are listed out. Like, for instance... I've got a couple of apples here. Uh, I was going to use them for something else. Anybody know which one's the real one? All right. So this is the real one? How many people think this is a real one? All right. How many people think this is a real one? So that's about half and half. It's actually more of y'all think that this one's the real one. All right. Which one's? This is fake and this is real. Fake and real. But here's, here's the reality. Like, 
there are people that they have an appearance about them. The real one's on the right. Yeah, the, the, it's over here. Yeah, yeah, this one. So you have people that have an appearance about them, but it's, it's just an appearance. But over here, the Holy Spirit says it's the real deal. But here's something I've taught you this before. I want to teach it to you again. But the fruit of the Spirit, not fruits. Fruits are apples and oranges and grapes. That's multiple fruits. But the fruit, the Holy Spirit only produces one fruit. And this fruit is, you know, you take a bite out of it. It's like a Willy Wonka factory. Like one person eats it and it tastes like blueberries. And another person takes a bite and it tastes like, you know, strawberries or passion fruit or kiwi or whatever. They all. And so here's, here's the thing about the fruit. The fruit is just one fruit. And what we like to do in false teaching is break it down into multiple fruits. And we say, well, listen to the fruit. The fruit is this. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against, there's, against, there's no law against these things. Why is there no law? Because it's one law and Christ already uh, fulfilled it. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love. He starts with love. The Greek word for love there is agape, not storge, which is family love, not phileo, which is brotherly love, not eros, which is, woo, come on, baby. Uh, you know, that kind of uh, husband-wife love. It's agape, which encompasses all of those. It's an unconditional love. He starts out, he's like, it's one fruit of the spirit. And just love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, kindness, and faithfulness are all encompassed in love. And what did he say that was the fulfillment? What was the law? He started out and he said, love your neighbor. And so this is so beautiful. And it's like, it's so simple that it seems hard. But he's like, you know what? The way to fulfill the law is to love because there's no law against love. Love is the law. So when you walk in love, the fruit of the spirit. So Holy Spirit gives you and me everything we need to fulfill the law. Are you following me? It seems hard, but it's really simple. Holy Spirit gives me the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is all I need to fulfill the law. So as long as I'm bearing fruit, how do I know that I'm bearing fruit? Well, you, you look at your life. And he says, this is, this is a reward. The reward for fruit bearing for Holy Spirit is eternal life. So there's results and there's rewards. One brings death and the other is eternal life. And so I want you to look at this. He says, what, what, the, those are at war all the time. And we have to look at how do we produce fruit? Because like you need to be producing fruit. I need to be producing fruit. Well, how do you produce fruit? And it's real simple. First, there's a planting stage. In the planting stage, you got to be in good, nutritious soil. Paul, that's why he's going back to the church because somebody tried to contaminate the soil with some false teaching. So he goes back because he's like, no, if we're going to go forward, we got to make sure that we're reproducing the right thing. So the soil, you got to get good teaching. You got to get good material. You got to get good instruction. If you're going to grow, the seed must die. That's us. We have to, when we put this seed in the ground, the seed literally dies and becomes something else and it begins to produce a plant you and I we must die to ourselves. Galatians 5 24 and 25 says this those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of the flesh of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there since we're living by the power of the spirit let us follow the spirit's leading in every part of our life who nailed it to the cross all right, because that's, that's the Sunday school answer. All right. Who, those who belong to Christ Jesus, who, who nailed it to the cross? 
we nail it. Jesus, take it from me. Take, Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from No, you take the wheel. You take the wheel. You take control. Spirit, fruit of the spirit is self-control. You nail your passions and sinful desires to the cross. Take responsibility for your own life and Holy Spirit will help you. Look at this. There's the seed, it must die. And then being patient, staying planted. You can't keep uprooting. You just cannot keep uprooting yourself because you will not grow. I, listen, I would love for it to be here, but if it's not here, go somewhere else and stay planted. I cannot tell you, we are in this, in this uh, place in our day and time. It's just a place where we are in history. We got so many choices. We better hope that God does not reprimand us and take away our choices. We have so many choices, like I could go to any church I want to, I can get ticked off, I cannot, you know, if one pastor tries, I've tried to correct people, they would not be corrected. They're going to get mad and go down the church, and you can go down there and get mad, you're still going to take your old uh, crusty, uh, crotchety self down there, and you still are living in sin, and you know, those people just don't know you, but at some point, be sure your sin will find you out, this says it, not me, and they'll find out, and they'll go to correct you, and then you won't do it, and then you'll go somewhere else, you cannot keep transplanting yourself the day and age and I tell my wife this all the time I'm like baby we don't live in that day anymore we don't live that in that church age anymore the church age we living in is way different from the age that we grew up in people do not stay at a church for any length of time for any healthy growth you got to stay planted and it don't have to be here it would be great if it is but go somewhere and stay plant serve become part of that vision there's the planting season the season then there's the cultivating season in the cultivating season you already in the faith you you've been saved a little while in the cultivating season what's happening is you're feeding yourself you're staying in the word well i'm just not getting fed at church that is not where you're supposed to get fed listen Am I supposed to come to your house this week, fix your meal, and, and, and go open up? Take a big bite. Here it comes. Ooh, open up. Boom. No, 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 no. It's your job to feed yourself. When we come in this room, what do we do? We get a version of that. This is a meal like you have with friends. It's an occasional, we go out to lunch together kind of thing. This, that's what this is. And this gathering is for us to come worship together as well. But feed yourselves, stay in the word. If you want to bear fruit, get in the word. You are also supposed to examine yourself. You got to constantly look at yourself to see where you are in Christ. Do I have any fruit? I got anything on me? Am I got, you know? You got to look at yourself. Are you bearing fruit? If you're not bearing fruit, then there's a problem. And then there's pruning. Pruning is that discipline I just talked to you about. There are going to be times, there are going to be times, friends, that a leader is going to come along and they're going to correct you. It's just going to happen. Iron sharpens iron. We disciple, we discipline one another. And if you are a person that you can't take correction, I used to be that person. But if you're a person that can't take correction, you'll never grow. So this is what I do. I don't wait to be corrected. I invite correction. It's so much easier when you, you know, go, somebody got to come and they have to say, you know, pastor, I'd like to talk to you about something. I've been having this thing. I've been meaning to talk to you about. I have people in my life that I'm like, so listen, I want you to share with me. Holy Spirit talks to you. Talk to me about me. I open myself to correction. I open myself to people in my life. And you can't just have people around you. It's just going to tell you what, what they want to. Now, uh, I, I can pick on my good old buddy Larry back there. Now he's got the gift of uh, he's got the gift of encouragement, 
But I don't know that he's got the gift of correction. But I'm telling you what, there's not a person in this church that encourages me more than him. On a regular basis. And it's, it's, it's genuine. He encourages me. Um, but I also submit myself to him for correction among many other people, but for him. And he's like, well, pastor, I just don't know. I just, you know, you're, you're awesome and great and all these things. I'm like, Larry, come on, come on, man. Ask Holy Spirit. What do you see? Because we, it can't just be people that tell you what you want to hear. It's got to be people who are going to be objective. Y'all understand that. I'm not saying Larry, he's a ear tickler or anything, but he sure does have the gift of encouragement. The third thing is growing. There's the growing phase. In this phase, we and others begin to see the evidence of our change. Look at 1 Timothy 4.15. It says, practice these things. What, What things? Practice these things. In other words, practice the word. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Like you should be seeing growth in me. I should be seeing growth in you growing, we and others begin to see the evidence of change in our life. Let me go back to that just for a second. If there's no evidence and you've been stuck in that thing, it's fixing to sound rough, guys. Pick your feet up off the floor. If you have been in this place for years and there's no growth happening, You might be in that list that's not going to heaven. God, Pastor Rife, I can't believe you're saying that. I didn't say that. The law said it. The, the word says it. You, you can't be a Christian and resist growth. You can't be a Christian and go, well, I, sorry, this is just how I am. I, my grandpa is like this. I'm like this. My mama's like this. No, no. We have been called to freedom. Get free of that because that's what freedom looks like. And then this is the last phase. There's the harvesting phase. There's the reaping phase. When you and I live a godly life, when you and I are really trying to do the right thing, people of integrity, there's a reaping that comes. And here's a reaping. There's three of them. We live in the blessing of God. When I live a good life, you know, I, I was pulling up to Walmart the other day and I'm like, I mean, this has happened to me like four or five times recently. I mean, the parking lot is packed and I'm like, man, I don't have to park out at the road. And I, I get up there and I'll just, and somebody will pull out and it's the first space behind the handicap. It's the first space. And I'm like, this is what it's like when you live right favor but blessing of the Lord there's there's blessings on the life of the believer for people who walk uprightly there's influence and witness with people can I just tell you if you're one of the people over here that you're a believer and and there's hostility quarreling jealousy outbursts of anger that don't even sound like sin does it? Sin is gross and nasty and whoremongering and fornication and adult like that's no he's he's listing this with all of those listen I'm just telling you there are some of y'all that are listening there's some people maybe here that like you're missing your harvest of influence with people because of those things You're missing your harvest of influence. Facebook has robbed you of your influence. You know, I I know, I was that person. I've just gotten to the point where I I just hardly even put anything out there. And it may not matter for Mary or Susie or Bill that are, you, you just come to church. But for me, I'm the leader of a community. I'm the leader of a local church. And there's just some things I can't put out there because... I'm trying to witness to people who are not Christians. So I have to just bite my tongue. I just have to pass it. I just have to delete it after I took 30 minutes writing it out. And then there's this one. 
there's inheritance. There's the kingdom of God. And there's not a person in this room that you should, um, that you should walk out of here or you should ever go, go to bed with the fear that you're not going to go to heaven. Why? Because when we live in him, we can be just satisfied, secure that, hey, I ain't ever worrying again that I'm going to heaven because I know my God loves me and I love him and I ain't perfect. But my God and me are working this thing out, guys. And I go faster sometimes in the journey and slower sometimes. Right now, I've been going slow for a while, but right now it seems like, oh, I'm getting my momentum back. I feel like it's getting lighter. So invite him in. And this is the last thing. Let's say this together and we'll activate it, okay? So let's say it together. Justification is how Jesus starts a relationship with me, but sanctification is how I stay in relationship with him. Sanctification is just holy living. He's holy and I'm holy. And this is how we um, apply and activate this. Ask yourself, Holy Spirit, will you show me where I'm progressing and regressing in my relationship with you? Show me where I'm progressing and where I'm regressing. A lot of people just want to stay in the regression area, point out all the things that you do wrong. But God's a God that likes to brag on his kids. Ask God, God, what am I doing well? What am I doing good? What are you proud of, Holy Spirit? And he'll share those things with you. And then, God, what am I doing? Maybe you're not proud of or I'm doing wrong or whatever. Show it to me. He will show it to you. And here's the last thing. Then what do you do about that? Because you can't just look into the mirror and Holy Spirit tell you good or bad and then walk away and not do it, do something. If he shows you the good stuff, take it up a notch. Amplify the good. If he shows you something that's disappointing to him, repent of it. Come into alignment. Don't let that be habitual sin in your life.